Hello and welcome to the very first episode of a brand new podcast, View from the Gallagher. I'm your host, Ian Smith, a Newcastle United season ticket holder in the Gallagher end, of course. And each week we'll bring you all the latest news and reactions to matches, as well as looking ahead to upcoming games. But I will not be doing this alone. This week I'm joined by Gordon and Dexter. And Dexter, I'll start with you. You're coming from us from a long way away. <laughs> um, where are you at the moment? I'm in Newcastle, but the one that's at the other end of the world in Australia. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm only about five kilometres away from Gateshead, believe it or not. Yeah, like, so thank you for joining us. Obviously, it's really a pleasure to have you on. Um, and what I'd, obviously, I've heard of Newcastle in Australia, but I hadn't realised that you were saying all the suburbs are basically the same names as over here. Yeah, so, um, look, Newcastle is a huge um, coal coal mining area um and in the the early days basically a load of geordies and welsh people um moved here and you know kind of built the infrastructure built the towns and the the cities so we got a jesmond walls end um there's a stockton beach we also have a cardiff and a swansea as well so there's a kind of mix of the the two the two regions there um and there's quite a lot of newcastle fans here and a you know a, a kind of a fair bit of Geordie DNA as well when you actually get to speak to to the locals. Very good. Is there a Newcastle supporters group over there? Um, there is uh, one at, uh, that gets together at the Black Butt Hotel every now and then when we've got games on at a reasonable time, which is, you know, we <laughs> might get them at, say, a, you know, 10 p.m. Um, but, yeah, that's, that's only in the winter, right? We've got this really short window and then the clocks change and they're all at 2 a.m. Yeah. And uh, Gordon, how are you? How are you getting on? Yeah, I'm very good, thank you. I'm coming to you all the way from Essex. I'm down here at, um, in my other son, Andrew. Um, came down, this is our longest trip we've had for several months because, I don't know if you know this, but I, I did make Chris tender. Well, I was going to ask. Ago. How you how your leg how your foot is? Well, I can you... drive now. I've only been given the sign off a week ago for driving, so we've been able to get in. Um, and, it's yeah. yeah, it's and more better. importantly, you actually could get to St James's Park at oh, the week. Absolutely, I missed the last three games of the season because of, I couldn't get the game because I was in a, a moon boot or a cast boot, whatever they are. So it's been a really really hard 14, 15 weeks. Um, yeah. but getting there. Yeah. You've not been the best patient, to be fair. You've, no, it's been frustrating. No, <laughs> um, anyway, right, let's let's move on. So loads happening with Newcastle, obviously, as always. Um, and, I mean, let's start with the transfer window stuff. So um, loads to come up in the show tonight. We'll be, we will be reflecting on that 5-1 win over Villa. Um, we're going to be talking about fixture congestion, possibly in the autumn as well. Uh, we're also going to be looking later on and exploring our hopes and wishes for the 2023-24 season for Newcastle United. But like I say, let's begin with the transfers. It's fair to say Newcastle fans have been spoilt since the new owners came in. Once again, the club have been very, very busy in the transfer yeah. market this summer. Today, the club looked to have secured the loan with an obligation to buy of 18-year-old left-back Lewis Hall from Chelsea. And looking at the reaction from Chelsea fans on social media, it seems that they are not too happy about losing him, which for a squad with about, for, you know, fans who follow a team with about 150 players in the squad, I think that says quite a lot. Um, so I don't know what, what do you think to this, this signing and obviously the, the transfer window in general, Dexter? 
Um, I've got to be honest, I've only seen Lewis Hall play a few times, but when I have, I, I think he played against us in the last game of the season, looked really impressive. Um, so other than those couple of games, uh, there's not really a great deal I can go off. Um, but if you look at the track record that we've got, I was a bit dubious about Gordon and I was completely wrong about that. So, you know, every signing that we've made is, you know, has, has made an impact at the club and a positive impact. Yeah. Apart from maybe Chris Wood. He made a positive impact. He right? made a positive impact. He did the job that he was brought in to do, right? He did, he did, he did. I was just being flippant. I was being yeah. flippant. Um, what do you reckon? Wood. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, a bit like Dexter. I mean, I don't know a lot about the lad until um, I saw a few clips today. Um, I hadn't realised he played against us in at the end of the season, actually, until, until today. But... The thing I look at is, you look at the players we bought under the you know the new owners, and you look at the research that they do. And the bottom line is, if Eddie Howe and his team think these players are good enough for us, then that's good enough for me. I see a lot of debate online about, oh, I would buy this one, I would go for that one, I would, but they don't do the work or the research behind these players. And I just think, you know. Our track record so far has been very, very good, hasn't it? In terms of the players we brought in, so yeah, I mean, you can't argue with them. I, I just think it's great, you know. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I was thinking uh, there's a lot of talk about the squad at the moment. I, I personally think this is the most balanced, complete squad we have ever had, ever. So, and I'd, I'd include Keegan's team in that. I'd definitely include Sir Bobby Robson's team in that. Mm. Um, is this transfer window the best transfer window we've ever had, do you think? The only one I could think that came close in terms of like, excitement for me was was the one where we bought Warren Barton, Ginola and Ferdinand in the same window under Keegan. I don't know, like, can you think of any other summer transfer? I know it wasn't a window back in the 90s, but mm. anything that compares I, closely to this? Um. I think that that window that you mentioned, and I, I'm sure you guys felt the same as well. You had Janola come and I was like, wow, I've never seen a player like this. Yeah. And then Espria came and within the first five minutes, you were like, wow, I've never seen a player like this. If you look at what we've done since they came in, Trippier, we all said, wow, we've never seen a right back like this. Mm-hmm. Bruno comes in, we're like, wow, we've never seen a midfielder like this, yeah. right? Then we've got um, Isak comes in, first five minutes, yeah, wow, this kid is a player, right? Then we've got Tonali comes in, first five minutes, yeah, <laughs> wow, this guy, I've never seen a player yeah. like him. We just seem to be building, like the level just seems to be getting higher and higher. And anybody yeah. that's coming in, like they're just raising their standards to the level of these people. Mm-hmm. Like Tonali, yeah. mate, you know, Joe Linton and Bruno look average players at the weekend, and that's, that's just... That's not a slight on them. That was just like the guy came in and took things to another level. Yeah, I agree with totally with that. I think it's this the fact that every addition to the squad is building the depth and quality of the squad, which is what what we need to to have. It's to me, it's been quite interesting um, listening to the sort of music outside the club and people saying, "Well, what, you know, who the bought? You know, then there's no real." big world star or and you know we haven't 
go on board, you know, Neymar or, you know, Messi or something. It's But it's been players who just improved right from Trippier, like you said, Dexter. You know, I mean, he was such a, a fantastic inspirational buy and he's been a catalyst for a lot of what's then followed. Um, but what we've got now is, is what you said, Ian, is this squad is now, Eddie Howe wanted two players in every position and he's near as damn it. God, hasn't he really? Yeah. Um, and we've got the situation up front where we've got Callum Wilson and we've got Alexander Isaac. I mean, you know, and you at any time you could play either one of those as long as they're fit. And you've got a tremendous centre forward. And they bring different things to the team when, when they're in there. I mean, they're not an identical swap. Yeah, that's are. a really good point. Because I think um I think I said that to you the other day, actually, when, when we were at the match. I was like, the beauty with bringing Callum Wilson off the bench is it's not a like-for-like swap. So although they're playing in the forward position, it then gives the, the 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 opposition a headache because whatever they whatever they're doing to deal with Alexander Isak, they're then having to change because Wilson plays in a different way. And yet you've still got the quality there. You know, Wilson scored a goal. He could have scored he should have scored a second goal. You know, they both should have had two goals yes. at the weekend. Yeah. Um and it's just, just brilliant. The interesting point on that, I don't know if you've noticed as well, since Isak came back into the team last year and you know really kind of stepped up and, and started hitting goals, Wilson hasn't been injured. Yeah. Yeah, that's so, true. Yeah. Wilson scored yeah. like 10, 11 goals. And if you remember when we bought Les Ferdinand, he was always injured at QPR. Came mm. to Newcastle, he was never injured. Yeah. Went to Spurs, point, was injured the whole time. Yeah. So I Do you think, think that it's partly that's partly because um, Eddie Howe's able to manage the time as well because they're not having to play every single game, yeah. every minute of every single yeah. game, and that actually that's benefiting them, them both Isaac and 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 it's like he's, he's, Ian said, you know, on Saturday when they took off um, uh, Gordon and uh, Isaac, and then what Aston Villa were looking at it and thinking, oh bloody hell, here comes. Callum Wilson and Harvey Barnes, and you know, and by then they were stretched because yeah. they were three-one down, and you know, we we just tore them the bits in the last you know twenty minutes or so, didn't we? Yeah. We could have scored yeah. more, um, but I think it's that management of that game time for both of those those two main strikers, which I think is going to be you know pretty yeah. crucial over the coming months. And you can repeat that across the squad. I think um, I was I was thinking during the week after after the Villa game, and we obviously we will talk about the Villa game in more depth soon. Um, I was just it, it got me thinking about God. Harvey Barnes came off the bench and, and scored, you know, scored and assisted, and could have had another assist and all that kind. Of, I was thinking Anthony Gordon had a brilliant game. What on earth is how going to do with those two? Then it, then it got mm. me thinking. Actually, Anthony Gordon can play on the right as well. And I just wonder if there'll come a point in the season where we see Gordon on the right and Barnes mm-hmm. on the left and we actually have both mm-hmm. on the pitch at the same time. Because I think from, from the evidence we've seen so far of both of those players, and I know it's a really small sample size so far, but they're looking both very impressive. And it's mm-hmm. it's th- that strength in depth we have in the forwards and midfield positions is, is frightening. Yeah. I think... Um... Anthony Gordon was 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 really 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 good first half on on Saturday. He was you know down that that side. It was and it was interesting because in last season we were I wouldn't say relying totally on the right, but it was certainly a lot of our goals and assists came down the right hand side with Trippier and uh, Miggy. But then on Saturday we had this thing where it was coming down the left with Anthony Gordon, who was 
you know, causing that their fullback all sorts of problems. And the cross he put in for the first goal, I mean, that was an absolute. I mean, it was a superb move that, and then they kept it alive, and he played that one too. And he, then he, he his cross was absolutely superb, and uh, the finish from Tenali was just was was brilliant. So yeah, yeah, I think it, it's it, it, it's a nice problem to have, isn't it? That definitely have this, you know, yeah, depth that we we wanted. So here's here's a question for you then. Um, so Dexter, I'll I'll, I'll I'll put it to you. Do we? Obviously, we're pretty happy with how the transfer window's gone in general. But do you still think are we still one or two players short of where we really truly want to be? Do you think? Um, let's look at the the Villa game you know, and maybe kind of use this as a you know, segue to talk about that, right? Um, the you know that first sixty minutes when you're watching live, you know, even at three one, I was still a bit concerned. Yeah, and that concern yeah. is those gaps at the back, and I think you know people are probably gonna, you know, I'm probably gonna get hung by half the the fan base on Twitter. <laughs> but Dan Burn, <laughs> look, you know, I think Trippier as well, they're being seen as the weak links by other teams. And if you look at when Villa demolished us three nil, everything came through Trippier and us playing this really high line, and they were just playing in the back. And if you look at, um, you know, the first, I think it was in the first nine minutes. Miggy gives the ball away and Diaby's through in and Anthony Gordon runs like 90 yards across pitch and catches yeah. Diaby, right? And like stops a certain goal. Um, right. But that was, you know, I think that's where our, our weak links are. Um, there's been a lot of talk about centre-backs, but the reality is, right, if we get, if we get another, if we get a left-back, Dan Byrne goes back to centre-back, which I think is his better position. Mm-hmm. Um, and look, I, I just... I'm I'm just fed up with us not playing proper left back. <laughs> I think it's probably our weakest, our weakest yeah. area, right? I think it's, it's just solidity uh, and defenders yeah. you know, in proper positions. I think it's a really interesting conversation to have because, like, I love I love Dan Byrne. I think what he's done is is fantastic. But like you say, it's almost like you're not allowed to say that. It's it's not quite right. Like you're not allowed to say he's a square peg in a round hole or anything like that. Because yeah, we did really well last year. We had joint best defense in the league. We did really well. We got to a cup final. We finished fourth. It was a very very good season. But there were still some issues at times. And I think just going forward, it's the old saying in football: you've got to keep evolving to stay ahead of other teams. And Ultimately, you're right about the Villa game, Dexter, because it was not, it got, it was very comfortable in the end, but there was large portions of that game, pretty much the entire first half. In fact, I said to you, Gordon, we need half time. We need half time to come and just get in at half time in the lead, reset, regroup. And that's because we weren't actually defending brilliantly. And when Howe first came in, he built, the team, he, we survived in the Premier League because we defended really well. He improved us to a level where we could not concede loads of goals. Okay, He's now, as he's added more players, we're becoming more attacking. And we're still, obviously, the level you need to defend at to be at the top of the league to, say, finishing mid-table is, is massively different. And I think it is the next step of evolution in the squad. And I, I don't think it's a coincidence mm. that we've that we've signed a right-back and a left-back who are both very, very young, 
both very highly talented and rated, who could be our fullbacks for the next, say, five years at least? Mm-hmm. I, I, I think the answer is yes. I think it, it, they, they will be. And it, the other thing they bring is pace. And I sometimes think we, we, we get caught a little bit because of the fact that sometimes I don't think we're quick going backwards as we, we, we are sometimes attacking. Um, but you're right, Dex, about the Villa game. I, I've, I've thought about it all week because I watched a lot of um, you know other sort of ana- analysis by other channels and um, you know and yes we 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 played well but there were that first half was a lot tighter than than you know it needed to have been um, and I think I remember I'd say you know, until I got to three one if I'm honest yeah I mean we we had a we had a conversation halfway through that first half and I just thought that the players weren't really as as attuned to the system because we had. Um, Bruno and Tonali in the same midfield, and yes, they're, they're they're both brilliant footballers. But I just thought Joe Linton wasn't really as imposing himself on that, and it was allowing them to to get in behind us, and we weren't as you know that 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 sort of tightness, and it was allowing them to get at our weaknesses, which was was down those flanks, wasn't it? And really, um, a two-one. You know that when we went three-one, I mean, it was an opportunist goal from um, Isaac, wasn't it? But it was, yeah. it was quite brilliant. Well, they nearly scored shortly after that. I mean, you know, Port makes the save, and the lad really should have scored. You know, the um, the, the for them and made it, and it would have been three-two. Yeah, Matty Cash wasn't it the right back? Yeah. And, and had you done you that, we would have been nervous again, wouldn't we? Yeah, and Diaby missed a. a Said I hit the side netting just before half time. Mm-hmm. I think they played a lovely ball through and it went right through Dan Byrne and um, I think it was Anthony Gordon. Um, so we do we do look kind of weak in those those wide areas. I mm-hmm. think I think there's definitely room to improve. I think um, just sort of going back to the obviously the the stats, we it was a comfortable win in the end. I'd say the last half an hour we absolutely destroyed them and battered them and it was really as comfortable as we all felt but it's again it's that kind of thing isn't it where as a fan or as a as a group as a group of fans you tend to remember how you finished the game rather than how you started a game mm. so if you start a game strongly and end poorly you remember that you you were maybe hanging on or not playing well. like and i think there's a little bit of that happened with this villa match in that we're all remember we won five one. That looks amazing. The last half an hour, we finished the game so strongly. We looked so dangerous. It could have literally could have been seven, eight, nine, whatever. But it it kind of there has been this little bit of well, actually, although we did we did actually start the game pretty well as well, to be fair. But it, it sort of just glossed over a little bit how there were some issues there. And look, it was the first game of the season. We're not at full pelt yet. We can't have asked for much more than we got, to be fair. Mm. But it's worth talking about. It is worth yeah. talking about that, that we're not we're not perfect yet. No. Yeah, I, and I, I I came away from the ground. We were euphoric at the end because we won five one, and it was brilliant. And, and you know we haven't had a, a you know win like that on the opening day for for a long long time. So it was it was great. Um, the, the thing that I take from it though, and and it comes back to what I said about uh, Eddie Howe, and and I think. He will. They will have reviewed that game, and they he will know 
that because he actually alluded to it in his in his com- his comments afterwards because he was saying you know it was a it was a funny score that game and it, 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 I think That's he right, knew yeah. that some of the the things that we've just discussed actually are issues that need to be addressed within within the team and I think he will work on those um, and it'll be interesting to see how it how it all pans out particularly with these next two matches. Because you know, Man City and then Liverpool will be a will be a barometer of of you know what we might what we might expect for you know ongoing into the season. So, I yeah. I, I think there would there, there are a lot of lessons for us to, to to take from that game. And yes, it was fantastic to win five one, and we you know we were we were joyous at the end, and it was great. But you know we have to be realistic that you know it, it wasn't as, as easy in the first half particularly as it might seem yeah oh that's fair let's um let's talk about the new signings then tonali in particular man of the match performance um already scored what i would say is going to become an iconic goal um just he was just fantastic like that's a great it's yeah (laughs) it's just brilliant Put that on a T-shirt and I'll buy it. Yeah. Um, it's like you were saying, Dexter. Um, you sort of f- five minutes into his debut, you're like, he's just on another level. Yeah, it was. Oh, uh, I mean, I, I kind of watching the game live. You miss some of the things that he he did, and I went and watched the game again you know, and kind of replayed the whole thing. And um, one of the beauties about ours is we get access to every single Premier League game. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so, you know, to to actually be able to just watch it where you haven't got the pressure of the scoreline and you know what the outcome is. And he was involved in every single goal. Uh, everything that we did, he had some form of involvement in it, whether yeah. it was an intercept, you know, and then passing it off to somebody who then mm-hmm. played the, you know, the, 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 the um, assist. And it was just unbelievable to see somebody come in. Because um, I've got to be honest, I was a little bit, you know, I thought, oh, this is a really tough game to come in and make your Premier League debut. Villa smashed us. They're going to, you know, they overran us in midfield. He would, he didn't do that well in the preseason against them. And it was just, he just bossed it. And as yeah. I said earlier, right, he made Joe Linton and Bruno just look average. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What I like about him is that, and, and I noticed this because, like you, I, I went back and watched. I mean, I watched the highlights and not so much the full game, but certainly the bits that that, that were highlighted um, is, and I noticed it even in live play, was what he does when he he he, he passes the ball quicker than anybody I've ever seen because it, 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 he doesn't even think he, he's thought about what he's going to do, and when the ball comes to him, he makes the pass and. That there was that intricate move, I think, for one of the goals in the second half, where it was his pass, which was first time, and he was surrounded by you know players from both sides. But he it and he did that time and time again. He's he's the speed of his pass. It, and what was really encouraging to me is that a lot of the players he's playing with were onto that wavelength quite quickly, and they, they were onside because they were, had made the move. Yeah. So. I think we could take a lot of you know joy from that, and that this yeah. is the way it's going to be. But the guy was just on a level which yeah. it was unbelievable. It's I, exciting. I, Particularly with Gordon, you did some really beautiful link-up play. There was that second chance that he had, 
you play exactly. this cross, cross field pass to Gordon that unfortunately Gordon didn't control. Right. I think the reason yeah. he didn't control it was just because he was so surprised that it came to him. <laughs> I mean, it was just it was an unbelievable pass. Yeah, he had some amazing long range passes throughout the game. There was mm. some absolutely fantastic stuff. Um, here's a question, and I know we had a very very brief conversation about this, Dexter, on Twitter. Just mentioning Bruno. Um, obviously, towards the end of last season, we know Bruno was playing through an injury, um, and it, it did affect his performance somewhat, but he was still so good we needed him. I didn't think he was fully at the races against Aston Villa. Um, are you are you concerned about that, Dexter? Um, look, my, my view of it is um, every player that comes to the Premier League has about 12 months before the opposition susses them out and figures out ways to take them out of the game. And my view is that Villa looked to nullify um, you know, his threat, which is probably why Tenali had so much of the ball and got to run the game, right? Um, so I think you might find that um, Tenali being in the side playing alongside Bruno gives the opposition now a completely different problem to think about and should free him up. But one thing that did concern me a little bit is, um, you know, when when he that first full season that he was here, he was just super sharp. You couldn't get the ball off him. Mm. He was super aware. He seems to be getting caught on the ball, unaware that there's somebody coming for him a, a lot more frequently now. So that's kind of the the only thing that I'm a little bit wary of with, with Bruno. Do you think that he invites that though? I think that's part of his game in a way. Like he yeah. he likes that kind of cl- he he sort of he loves that kind of contact with players as he kind of turns and then makes a yeah, pass or whatever. There was, a, there was a an instance in the game against Villa where he was like you know running and he was four or five yards ahead of the the player and he's just kind of trotting along and the player just sprinted up behind him and nicked the ball away. So that mm. kind of that wasn't happening previously, and I think it's that no. just awareness of what's around him. And look, I think, you know, that, that level of complacency comes in. We talked about Wilson earlier, right? And he came back from the World Cup and he looked finished. And I think Isak mm-hmm. having that run yeah. and it gave him the kick to go, hey, mate, look, yeah, yeah. you've got competition now. And I think that psychological element helps players kind of get their, their hunger and sharpness back mm-hmm. as well. Maybe Tenali would be the, the catalyst for that then, maybe. Yeah. I mean, it's what, um, a, what a be talking about <laughs> oh, it's crazy. I mean it's I mean the thing is Bruno has kind of problems up now right <laughs> to, yeah to yeah he's still quality <laughs> the, the level of player we have um well let's move on then so obviously the reality of Champions League football at St James's Park is getting ever closer I'm absolutely buzzing and excited about it already I've mm. started to think about it um and this week it was confirmed that Newcastle are going to be in pot four of the Champions League draw And it got me thinking, who exactly will Newcastle be playing following the six Champions League fixtures this season? I actually made a little video about it on this channel um, earlier in the week. And how might that impact our season? So I'll just put the fixtures up so you can see them. So obviously we've got six, um, six Champions League games before Christmas. And they're the matches that follow uh, the game. So, so we've got, uh, Sheffield, well, basically four away games and then two at home. So we've got Sheffield United away following. These are all following 
Champions League matches. So Sheffield United away, West Ham away, Wolves away, Bournemouth away. Then we've got Man United at home and Fulham at home. What are your thoughts on how how we sort of cope with this, Gordon? What do you reckon? Well, I, I, I mean, I texted you after you posted your video, which I thought was this this idea was really good, and I think it's it's well worth looking at the actual realities of what the fixtures. And once you get the teams that we're playing in there, then it'll be making more more sense. But I also think we need to be wary of the games before the Champions League as well. So, for example, we play Brentford on Sunday the seventeenth of September, and it's a four thirty kickoff. Now, technically, we could be playing 48 hours later a Champions League game, um, and that could be an away game. We don't know. Um, clearly, three of those Champions League games will be at St James's, and three will be on our travels, and it'll, it'll depend on the, sometimes the extent of the travelling. Um, so this is what we want and what we're really excited about, and of course we are, and it's going to be great, but I think it just needs to be a little bit thinking about the rotation of the squad. And, you know, we, we people last season, we Eddie Hill played the same team as often as he possibly could. There's no way he's going to be doing that in this coming three months because the, the, the fixtures will not allow him to do that. He cannot have players playing three games a week. Yeah, Some of them will. The, the other factor to this is... Um... There's also the League Cup to consider. There's actually three rounds of the League Cup before Christmas as well. Mm. So we're definitely obviously going to be in round three, which is the week beginning the 25th of September, which is so the week after we play Sheffield United away. Um, so, so basically we'll have a Champions League game, Sheffield United away, then a League Cup game. Uh, and then... Yeah, so that, so then, so that kind of comes thick and fast. If we then get through, there's another... There's mm. another League Cup game at the end of October, and then the quarterfinals are in December. There's so that's potentially nine extra matches on top of Premier League games, Dexter. What what do you think? How do you think this is going to pan out for us? Do we? I know we've talked about the squad a bit. Do you actually think there is enough enough depth in the squad currently to do well in all three competitions? Well, the reality is, right, we've all we're all all only allowed what twenty-five players. Is that right in each squad? Yeah. So right, yeah. every everybody's got the same challenge. I think the really smart thing that they've done with preseason and the the recruitment policy is they're buying young players and also they blooded some like I, I don't know about you guys, right? But two years ago we were like, where's the academy? Where's the mm. youngsters going through? And now we've got Lewis Smiley, we've got Elliot Anderson. The kid, is it, was it Murphy that plays Murphy. at centre-back? Yeah. Like, yeah. They, they look absolutely like they are ready to walk into that first team and start to make an impact. Mm -hmm. So I'm actually really confident, right? I don't mm -hmm. care what happens this season. I don't care whether we finish 8th, 10th. You know, I really don't care. I think the last two seasons have been way beyond expectations. I was super dubious about the the ownership. They've completely won me around. I thought how was the right appointment, and then I got a bit shaky after the Cambridge defeat, and you know was wondering whether he was the right person. He, <laughs> he was the only is, one, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Dan Ashworth is absolutely the right person, and I just I've got 
complete belief that everything that they are doing mm-hmm. is taking us to the next level. Now, whether we get the results this season or not, look, for me, I'm, I'm kind of quite happy to put this as that kind of 90, you know, 95 season where we finished six mm-hmm. and, you know, we, we kind of sold Andy Cole and started to rebuild and, and, and build the Woods finishing second. So I, I think, you know, the, the reality is, you know, this is a problem that if we want to be successful, you have to find solutions to it. And I'm, I'm confident that the club's doing the right thing and has the right strategy to deal with it. Yeah, no, I agree with that. And I think the, the one thing with whatever Eddie Howe and this, this club are doing, you know, I have a great faith in what they're doing because of the way they approach it, the meticulous planning and I think we can take it for you know the the, the recruitment of these younger players is is no is no sort of sudden thing that they're doing this is a plan to bring in quality players who who are you know outside the the, the, the 25 and what, what they can rotate um yeah I, I think the other thing I'm just looking at those fixtures here and that that West Ham game is now on Sunday the eighth because the other thing West Ham are actually in the conference the um, not the conference, the Europa League, because mm-hmm. they won the, the conference. So that they, they were they're there in some of these teams who are our rivals for position in the league are going to be playing this Thursday Sunday, um, you know, schedule, which I think is always a much tougher one than the Champions League. Um, but like you, I just think this is what we want. This is you know we we've dreamt about being in the Champions League, and we've done it far quicker than anybody anticipated. And I think the planning behind the scenes is is going to put us in as good a place as possible to be able to cope with it. Mm-hmm. The one thing that we don't know, and uh, and this is a great hope, is that we, we were very fortunate with injuries last season. And I just I keep hearing about other clubs with getting players injured. And I just hope that we 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 don't have a you know a run up run on uh, an injury. Yeah. Well, even Man City are stressing, aren't they? They've they've picked yeah. up two or three big injuries to big players. Um, so it can happen. It can happen to anyone. Yeah. I think, yeah, I, I totally take both of your points, really. And um, it's hard, I think, to accept that this season we've been on an upward trajectory for pretty much two years now since since. The new owners arrived. Certainly, eighteen months we've been on an upward trajectory ever since we won that game at Leeds, uh, to, to just before the international break when we were in the relegation zone. Everything's gone well since then, but it's hard, isn't it? Even as a fan, it's like we all say, "Oh, we just want a team that tries." We just... well, the reality is, two years down the line, there is expectation there now, and mm. as a fan, it's hard. I think you're. You've got a great mindset, Dexter, to think. Actually, if this season's a bit of a dip, that's all right. I'm I'm sat here thinking, bloody hell, I just want us to be in the Champions League again. Mm. And I actually think, I think our only aim this season, personally, should be to try and requalify for the Champions League because if we do that, we'll have cemented our place there. But look, we might finish fifth, sixth, seventh, whatever. We don't know what's going to happen yet. And if we do. It's actually not the end of the world because the the foundation blocks are there still. It's the whole thing's not just going to fall apart and disappear just because we don't necessarily get in the top four this season again. But as I, a fan, I, it's hard. I think um, 
I've thought about this a lot, and 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 I, and I, I take Dexter's point about you know where we finished really doesn't matter. Personally, I think it does. Um, for and I, and I think it matters to our owners. I mean, they want to be mixing it with the best. We have hit that that thing of being with the best by qualifying in fourth place for the Champions League. So we now are up there to be shot at. And I think what they're doing, the club are giving Eddie Howe and his coaching team every possible um, tool to be able to cope with the fixtures, to be able to cope. And I think ultimately, and, and then somebody else said this on another video, but we, we are a good team. And let's let, let's make no bones about it. We, we are a good team. And yes, there were the slight flaws against Villa, but nonetheless, we have a lot of in, intensity. The way we go about games is it puts us in. And if I look at the the, the competition, the the one the two teams you could argue who maybe are in a similar position to us last season and that they're not in Europe are Chelsea and Spurs. Now I'm not convinced Spurs under their new manager will actually make the same impact as what we did last season. I look at Liverpool and you know. Liverpool are always going to be dangerous, but I just look at their recruitment this this summer, and I just think it smacks a little bit of. Um, I'm not saying it's panicking, but it certainly seems to be. A little bit, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, um, it is when they missed out on two public tar- targets so publicly, and then yeah. you know there is a little bit of panic in in that I, club. I think. I think. Yeah, I, f- I feel like I feel like talking to Gabby Abgon uh, asking if Casado went to Chelsea for thirty grand a week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so, the pull of yeah. London. Yeah. So the, the the whole thing, you know, I think it's it's going to be interesting, and I think I think we're in a position where I'm not saying we will, you know, we will win the Premier League, or we, I, but I think we should be aiming to certainly be in the top five, yeah. and I think that's what the club will want. Want to achieve? And I think Eddie Howe will want to achieve that. Oh, without a doubt. Without I mean, we, we know that internally yeah. in the club, that's the aim. The aim for the owners and the manager and the players is to requalify for the Champions League. There's no doubt about that. They'll not say it, but that is absolutely what they're aiming for this season. There's no doubt in my mind that that's that's the case. Yeah. I think On they that, don't say it, but but they've got, got they've got it in that video. That's what we want to do, isn't it? So that there is an element of public awareness from from the behind the scenes stuff. But sorry, yeah. Dexter, I don't interrupt you. On that Liverpool point, I think one of the big advantages that we've got, um, and you know, you, you kind of touched on this. If you look at the Brighton game, the Brentford game, where we won five one, the Villa game. I think we're going to win a lot of games in the last ten minutes yeah. or injury time mm. because we, are, you know, we are just relentless. And I think that's I one of the reasons why we've been signing young kids, right? And you know, just shit, you know, Dan Byrne and Trippier, they're going to run out of juice pretty <laughs> soon, right? <laughs> the way that we're playing. Um, and I, I, I think that you know the other aspect that we've got is a psychological aspect. So part of my business is you know executive coaching. And the stuff that Eddie Howe does is absolutely top draw, you know, one on one business performance. You know that he's he's bringing to the club. Mm-hmm. Now, if you look at from a leadership perspective, on the flip side, Jurgen Klopp, right? He is giving his players 
every time he's in a press conference, every ex- every excuse not to perform and not to win. Mm-hmm. Eddie Howe, on the flip side, is giving his players, he's not putting pressure on them, but he's saying to them, and I remember reading Alex, Sir Alex Ferguson's um, autobiography, and one of the things that he would do every season is, you know, the culture of Manchester United was we win every game, right? We expect to win every game. Mm-hmm. If you watch a press conference last night, Eddie Howe says, we expect to win every game. Not mm-hmm. saying we're going to win, but we expect to win every game. Yeah. And I think this is the, you know, if you want to talk about the secret sauce, I think that's what all the players are buying into. And I wonder, you know, I, I wonder if Klopp's even going to be in a job in, at Christmas. I think he might quit, right? Because mm-hmm. you've seen with, you know, these two people have turned turned him down, Casado and Lavia, where maybe he's there. You know, he's lost his mystique and he, he's, you know, he's getting more and more vocal and he's having digs at us because he yeah. can see that, hey, he's got some serious competition now. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting, that that point about Klopp. There's a, a quite a few people I've seen saying similar. It feels like it might be coming to the end of the road there for him. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, let's let's move on then. So, obviously, this season is only one game old. So, we've got <laughs> pretty much the whole season ahead of us. And today, we thought we'd take a look at some of our wishes for this season. So... Things that we want to see happen or we hope might happen. Um, I don't know. Our biggest or perhaps daftest wishes for Newcastle United this season. Um, they might be serious. They might be funny. They might be daft or peculiar or downright bizarre. Whatever it is, we'll do a round robin. Um, we'll do a few each. We'll see what we come up with. We're obviously live on YouTube as well. So if, if anyone on YouTube in the chat wants to chip in on this one for a wish for the season, then that would be great. Um, who wants to kick it off? Dexter, you ready? Do you want to? Have you got one? Yeah, I have actually. Um, so my mine is that Miggy is given an ultimatum that he has to score or cross with his right foot, or he's getting sold. <laughs> <laughs> that is so funny because yeah. I mean th- there was a. I mean, there's, I mean, it's every game, obviously. But I remember turning to to you, Dad, at the weekend, and there was I can't remember exactly what happened, but there was literally something where I think he was near the byline or the touchline. And he, rather than touch it with his right foot, he literally did it. He came back on his left foot. And I said, he just will not touch it with his right foot, will he? Like, he just won't do that. So I think that's a great one. Yeah, it's brilliant. Can yeah. we see Can we see Miggy touch the ball with his right foot this season? I mean, he it? scored with his knob against Man City last year. Surely yeah. he can sort of do something with his right foot. Right? <laughs> You'd hope so. You'd hope so. I've yeah. never seen... I mean... In all seriousness about Miggy, though, like we all love him for his effort and his enthusiasm and a bit, but like, how can a player playing at the top level like he is be so one footed? I just, it's sort I, of. I can't work out at all. I, I, any professional footballer, because I, I, it's just about, even if you are so naturally left footed, you, you can still practice with your but other foot. It's literally you? his job is to kick the ball. Like, yeah, why has he not spent hours and hours just practicing? Yeah. That's that's what yeah. I did as a kid. I literally was in the back garden yeah. kicking the ball with my left foot to to the point where I was actually pretty decent with it. Yeah. How is that? Not why is there no coaches have got a hold of that with them over it's the very years? Very weird. I mean, but have you have you seen the movie? Say that again, sorry, Dexter. In the movie Zoolander. Duh. Not for a long time. 
Yeah, it just reminds me of a scene in there where they um he can't turn left on the runway and, <laughs> <laughs> he's like, and he starts moaning and says, I'm not yeah. I'm not an ambiturner. <laughs> Love it. Um right, I'll I'll go next then. Um so so we were just talking about Klopp uh, a minute ago, and this this comment's also just popped up from Mark. So I'll I'll say this one now. My wish this season for Newcastle is that we don't lose to Liverpool this season and that we beat them at least once because mm. I just feel like we really owe them um, a game where we beat them. I just really feel like out of all the clubs in the league, I just want us to beat Liverpool just yeah. just once. <laughs> I'd be happy with that and draw the other game, not lose to them this season. That'd be really good. I think that'd be brilliant. Well, one of mine I've written down is to beat Liverpool next week. Um, you know. But then what I've also put is we play them on the last game of the year, so it's just before New Year. And All what right. I would like us to do is to um, score the winning goal in the 110th minute of the game <laughs> at Anfield and you know do what they have done to Stick us it to time them. and time again Um Going back, obviously, to the 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 four three game where which we were at, weren't we? That that it, we were unfortunately, yes. Um, and it still sickens me when I see that goal replayed. But I just want to see that you know all of Liverpool just crying because we've beaten them in the last minute. Um, the, the odd thing we we didn't say it before, but I think a lot of this, you know, you talked about our t- fitness levels and our t- young players coming in late on in games. I think a lot of this additional time that is added on will actually benefit us more than it'll benefit yeah. a lot of other clubs. Because we're so intense. Because we're we so play intense. with high intensity yeah. right until the end. I agree with that. I think I think we'll score tons of goals this season. And like Dexter was saying earlier, we'll score a lot of them yeah. in the last 10, 15 minutes of matches, like we did against Villa. Yeah. You know? Well, on, on the same subject of goals, what, what I've said is I want to see Callum Wilson and Alexander Isaac score a hat-trick that's one of mine. I, <laughs> I just want us to have players who score hat tricks, but I'd love to be those two. I'd love them both to get a hat trick because they both deserve to have a hat trick. Who who do you think will score a hat trick first out of those two? Hmm. On any given day, you you could yeah. Well, I don't care really. 50-50 choice. Come I'm on, gonna, I'm going to go Wilson because I think he's going to get brought on as teams are tiring. And we're creating a lot of chances. But then Alexander Isaac on Saturday should have scored a hat trick. Oh, he should have had a hat trick. You're right. He should have had a hat trick. So I'll sit on the fence. I just don't yeah. care as long as the board score a hat trick at some stage. I'll be happy. Fantastic. Dexter, give us another one. Dexter, like the, um, Gordon's kind of took my Newcastle one. So I've got a, a one that's not Newcastle. It's fine. It's fine. Um, I want to see. Neville and Carragher accept a lucrative offer as pundits for the Saudi League. <laughs> <laughs> and every game that they commentate, especially when Liverpool is playing Newcastle, they have to brown nose. And you know, maybe throw Jim Beglin in there as well. And he has to commentate on that game. Oh, Jim Beglin's name is Mud. Pundits and you know, media people kind of you know, mouthing off, and you know what will happen. They'll get dangled the carrot in front of them mm-hmm. and all of a sudden, yeah, they'll be the biggest advocates for yeah. Saudi. Yeah, especially Gary Neville, the human rights activist. It'll be, uh... <laughs> I 
love it. I love your thinking. The new, the new Andy you. Gray and uh, Richard Keys yeah, competing yeah. with us too, are they? Brilliant. <laughs> I love that. I'll just quickly read a couple of that have come in on the comments on YouTube. So, um, Agent Tech Streams, we've got top five for me and to beat City, give Champions League a good try. All ones that I think we could probably agree with. Um, Alan Thompson says, a trophy, simple. Um, and Chris would get some credit as he's just got the winner for Forest tonight. I didn't know that. Fair play. We, we actually mentioned Chris Wood earlier on the, in the in the podcast and I, uh, I, got, yeah. I got told off. Um, Keith says Wilson and Isaac, Isaac both to score a hat trick for Newcastle in a 6 0 win against Sunderland in the FA Cup. And Keith, that leads me to one of my wishes, right? One of my wishes is I would love, absolutely love to draw Sunderland in the FA Cup this year or next year so that we can put the stupid, oh, it's been so many years since you beat us nonsense to bed. Like the only reason we haven't absolutely hammered them in the last decade or whenever however long it's been now i don't even know how long it's been it's because we haven't played in the same league as them because they've been so crap that's the only reason why that record still exists and i would love i imagine if we just drew them in the third round of the fa cup mm. st james's park or stadium like whatever it wouldn't matter we'd absolutely annihilate them and i'd love to see it mm. All I'm thinking is we do pretty crap in the FA Cup against crap teams. <laughs> Come on, have confidence. Could you imagine? Imagine if we drew them and lost. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. I don't know. What do you reckon? Would, would you fancy taking them on in the Cup? Uh, would I? Hmm. Yeah. Look, yeah. I mean... It, I'd, I'd sooner not because just it, just never them excuse, it just gives them an excuse to... Yeah. Bring out all the nonsense, and I, I just, I, I just keep them where they are. I just no, but what I'm saying them. is like just, just one match where we hammer them and then never play them again, yeah. like just so that they can't keep harping on about oh you haven't beaten us for the like because we will have done and it'll have been the last time they've yeah. ever been beaten. Yeah, it was just in the league, right? Like who cares? <laughs> I actually hate derby matches, and if we never play them again, I'm not bothered. But it would just be nice just to turn them over once. Best way to look at it, right? It's like we just need to wipe out the Ashley era, right? Like just like erase it from our memories, right? Like like let's just leave the trauma behind, forget it never happened, and just enjoy what we've got right now. (laughs) Yeah, just yeah, we need to. It's like we need the Men in Black treatment. Just erase it from our memories. Exactly. Yeah. I would like I would like to see um, when Liverpool play Arsenal or Arsenal play Liverpool that Arteta and Klopp get into fisticuffs at the side because they're they're wind up merchants in their own right and then they they subsequently get banned from the touchline for twelve matches each. <laughs> I think that would be fitting punishment for all the antics of the last uh, twelve months or so. Yeah. Um, because uh, Klopp's comment the other day about um, it affecting this this technical area. Um, yeah, he's got a nerve, hasn't he? He got banned. Got for, he got banned for abusing the yeah. fourth official and pulling exactly. his hamstring, didn't he? In the... Yeah, that was that was my moment of the <laughs> season. That season. <laughs> it, it was funny, like you know, I, I don't even I don't even think he pulled it right. I think he just knew what he'd done and thought, oh no, how am I going to get out of this? I'll pretend I've pulled my hamstring. <laughs> uh, funny. Um. Have you got any more, Dexter? Um, I haven't actually. 
okay. I haven't. So they I've, they were the three that I put. Fair enough. I've got I've got I've got two more. Um, Go have you got any more, Dad? I've just got um, I, just basically. I would like us to get more points oh. than we did last season. This is sort okay. of quite serious. We got seventy-one points. I'd like to see us aim for eighty points, which I think we've never done before in the Premier League. Because I think when we finished second, we were seventy-eight points. So oh. if we could, you know, outdo the, even the Keegan team, that would be be amazing. Yeah, well, we also, scored we more scored, than the Keegan team, didn't we? Yeah, uh, and we scored eighty season. goals. We scored 68 league goals last season. Yeah. I would like to see us hit 80. So 80 points, 80 goals. And I think if we do that, we'll not be far away from... You know. I think if we do that, we'll be in the Champions League again, I think to be so. honest. Yeah. Exactly. Um, okay, so my... So this is what... This is... <laughs> these are ones that may, may make me sound a little bit old. Okay? <laughs> so one of my wishes is that the PA system at Newcastle is turned down at some point. Because every time I go to St. James's Park, it seems to get ratcheted up by an, an extra 100 decibels every single time. Mm-hmm. It's just ridiculously loud. And on a more serious point, can, can we just let the atmosphere at the end of the game be natural rather than blare music out right at the end of it? Because that, that, that seriously does annoy me. That the, We can't just... like The music is on instantly once the whistle's gone, and that, that, I find that irritating. And the I other agree one, on that one. I yeah. really agree with you on that, that that one at the end of the game. Just let the you know the the roar of the crowd and let us have the celebration instead of playing music. Yeah, yeah. Jeez, yeah. lads, you want to try getting up at two a.m. on a Sunday morning or three a.m. on a Monday morning <laughs> to watch the game? <laughs> <laughs> Listen. You don't know what it's like at the moment in that ground. <laughs> Just wait till you come and visit. Plugs in, eh? <laughs> Take some of your defenders and put them in, and you can enjoy that. Enjoy a big, big yeah. pair of those ones, yeah. Um, and then the, my last wish for the season is this: um, when when did every chant that we sing become a full song with verses and choruses, like? I don't know about you. Maybe it's an age thing, but it's very like a lot of them are just I can't grasp them. Like they're too complicated. They're too fast. People sing them too fast for a start. Like that's a trend that's mm. happened over the last 10, 15 years that I don't get. But like they're always like a full chorus and verse effort. Like, what's wrong with just the simple kind of like United? United, like that's gone. And now it's like we've got mm. full parodies of songs being mm. sang as chants, and it's like some of them are good, but a lot of them aren't, and some of them are really hard to pick up the words unless unless you're singing them all the time. Do you know on that United thing? Um, if you've ever watched, and I think I mentioned this to you, Ian, but the FA Cup semi final in '74 against Burnley at Hillsborough. If you ever just watched the the, the, the YouTube, um, and it's um, Brian Moore uh, commentating, and it, it's but you listen to us after we score and it is just that chant of united and it is absolutely so loud it is amazing and i I was part of it i mean i was in amongst it that day and it it just comes across so unbelievably fantastically simple and yet loud and to the point i just i just love it and i I, I think you're right some of these modern chants are actually too too complex like i will give people credit Yeah, you mentioned that. I don't think I've ever heard Toonami chant. 
when I've been watching on the TV. It's really rare these days. Honestly, it is really rare. And like, to be fair, some of the chants are quite clever and quite funny, Mm -hmm. but they're not like really catchy for a crowd to get on. Like, if you want mass participation at St. James's Park with chanting, which some people are desperate for, we all want a great atmosphere. Singing like a full verse of a song is, in my opinion, is not the way to go about that because it's it just excludes people who can't pick up on the words. Yeah, that song I don't even know what the tune is. Which like, one? The Bruno's Magic Hat song. I don't even know what the tune is. That alone, the words. Or, um, is that from like? Yeah, I'm trying to think what tune it is. Is it My Old Man's Adjustment? No, that no. I don't know. Uh, somebody will tell me. Well, then that's clearly it's clearly not a good chant, right? Like, no. <laughs> this, is, this is my point, Dexter. This is my point. Like, if it's if you can't learn it after one time hearing it, do you know one yeah, of the simplest ones we've had in the last decade, and it was really, really good, and it was really powerful was Demba Bar's one about so many goals since Ramadan, because where every time he scored, it kept notching up that he'd scored so many, and it was just that it was you know. Uh, and it was, it was, it was, that was brilliant. I think sometimes the simplest ones are gen- yeah. genuinely the best ones. Yeah. I think that's, that's kind of my, my yeah. point here. Um, yeah, listen, really, really good. Um, really enjoyed this chat tonight. We're going to just finish with looking ahead to tomorrow, uh, Man City away. As I mentioned earlier, they have got some big issues. To De Bruyne is out for three or four months. Um, one of their, I can't remember who it was now, but one of their defenders is out. Um, as well, how are we feeling about going to Man City? Bearing in mind, we've never ever won a Premier League game at the Etihad. How are you feeling about the game tomorrow, Dexter? Um, confident, and I'm going to predict a Desmond 2 2. Uh, I think we'll go and we'll really give him a game. Um, and I think it's just going to be like a heavyweight boxing match, you know, end to end. Really interesting game. Lots of yeah. battles going on around the pitch. I think it'll be probably similar to the the game at St James's last season as well. Um, and I think we'll we'll give them a scare. Gordon, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm of similar opinion. Really, I, I think I predicted one one. Um, I think. What I, what I think we, we are at the point now is that we will go toe-to-toe with them and we will give them a game. And, you know, it might end up that we lose, but I honestly feel that we can get something from this game tomorrow. Um, similar, like you say, to the, 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 the game last season at St. James early on in the season. I think it, in many ways it, it's not a bad time to be playing. Um, and I think we go there with confidence and we'll be prepared. Um but you know, if we can get a draw, I think that would represent a, a you know a good result for us. Yeah, I think there's not there's not many times. There's probably never been any time, if I think if I'm being honest, um, since Man City have moved to the Etihad. I don't think I've ever been that confident of us going there and getting a positive result. I think our record is we've played twenty. Um, oh, I can't remember what the the stats were now, but we've only drawn one and um, no, we've drawn twice, I think, at the Etihad in the Premier League and we won in the League Cup once, something like that. That's our record. This feels a little bit different to me, um, if I'm honest, for a few reasons. One, Man City, for all their 
incredibleness, if that's a word, start seasons slowly. It takes them a bit of time to gel and play fluently. I'm not saying they're a bad team, because clearly they're not. They've got some serious injuries. Their defence, in particular, is can be got at. And I know I, I know you're both predicting a draw. I I'm I'm reluctant to say it, but I I genuinely think we can go there and win. I really have this weird feeling that we can actually go and win. Mm-hmm. And maybe that'll sound ridiculous come Sunday morning because we'll have been hammered three or four nil. But I just feel like we can do it. I really do yeah. believe that. Mm-hmm. So that. The lads at the Tune Under pod um, had a Man City fan on as a their preview um, podcast yesterday, and he he's predicted a draw as well. Um, and look, he's he's kind of pretty scared after what he's seen at Villa. Um, but what he did share is that uh, Man City only had two preseason games, and he doesn't think that they're fit enough or they're anywhere near to the right. fitness levels they need to be. So, so if you think how relentless and ruthless we are in the last 30 minutes of a game, um, I think it could be the opposite of what we've seen at St. James's last year where we went out all guns blazing and then kind of tailed off at the end mm. and Mans came back. I think we could potentially win it you know, if, if they start to tire. Mm. Interesting. It's going to be interesting. It. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting. Mm. So anyway, thank you so much thank you everyone for listening thank you gordon thank you dexter for joining us uh hope you have a good day in australia while we all go to bed <laughs> yeah, um, and 21 degrees sunshine and we're <laughs> still in winter brilliant <laughs> we're not jealous at all I'm not jealous at all no uh, just a couple of things to say just before I end the podcast um firstly you can subscribe to this podcast via Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from. And we're going to be doing this every single week. So go and look for that. And also, please go and look up my Substack. So I write an article every week about Newcastle United. It's sent to your email address for free every Wednesday morning. The link is in the description below. Go and check that out. I'd I'd be very grateful if you took the time to, to do that and read my articles and All I can say is I'm just really looking forward to talking and writing about Newcastle for the rest of this season. It's going to be a really good season, I think, and we're not going to be short of stuff to talk about. So thank you very much. Gordon, Dexter, thank you very much, and enjoy the Man City game.